You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, WA. My name's Sean Kelly, and this is the World Football Programme. Thanks to Frank and Jerry for another wonderful Celtic Ramblings programme. And in two hours, letting me on with the jazz show. Joining me in the studio this morning are young Matilda. Uh, Matilda, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I threw myself completely out. So no, Matilda, yeah, well, it's going really well there. Um, Miranda Templeman, uh, good morning. Morning, morning, hi. And A-League stats man, Pete Skeeler. Pete, good morning. Good morning. First one for us in the new year? Yes, it is, actually. It's, yeah. It's, so, yeah. Happy That's new good. year. Marvellous. Um, now, we've got a good show on today. We've got uh, Dan Israel. He's the manager of member services from Football West. So we'll talk to Dan about where he'd come from and where we're all going with him. Um, then we'll be talking to Steve Bagari. He is obviously with the glory. And we'll talk about uh, the game last night and uh, a few other things along the way with with, um, with young Steve. Then John O'Reilly joins us. He's the head coach of the Armadale MPL side. Um, been there for a while, very successful. And then we'll finish off with Tim Cash, who is the new man out there at the Balcata WMPL side. So looking forward to catching up with them. I suppose for us, the big news of the week, uh, two glory games, <laughs> both no, very young sides, both yeah. have gone out, both very different results. Um, Miranda, your take on the, the ladies game? Yeah, I mean, it was disappointing, to be honest, um, after such a good first half, and it was only 1-0 down at the break, and then the second half was goals galore. But what was it, 42 minutes or 43 yeah, minutes before? It, yeah, exactly, yeah. and it took a Remy Simpson great strike from just on the edge of the box to um, let us go down 1-0 before the break. But um, I think, to be honest, it was one of the best performances we've had in the league, and it has been a difficult few weeks, and it'll be a difficult few weeks to come with... 
we only played one game a month for three months and now we're playing uh, nine games in six weeks so, <laughs> yeah. um, and two blocks with three games in a week. So Absolutely. Um, but two very good, bright points and, and both Hannah Lowry. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, two goals in a minute yeah. <laughs> for a 17-year-old <laughs> isn't bad, is it? No, it's not bad at all. But, you know, look, watching them play, I think the, the, the way... They're trying to play is right. There's obviously a lot of inexperience in the side. Um, and then you're going up against someone like Sydney, who, you know, one of the more experienced sides, more actual Matildas playing in there than anyone else. And I think, you know, great experience for those young women and a great development cycle. And as long as the club's got the patience to go with that, yep. I think we're, we're going to go well in, in the next few years. Yep. And, I mean... Like we were saying off air, you know, we're all sort of hoping Hannah would get a third goal yeah. and get a hat trick on a losing side. It's a bit special, and, yeah. And the the save penalty was fantastic as well. Yeah, so definitely. I think. Glory. Yeah, um, I think you know, Lily's gone from from uh, chocolates to to boiled lollies and back to chocolates because um, <laughs> she she had the save of the week. Then then she had that shocker where yeah. she just got lobbed and then um, saved the penalty. So yeah, I mean that's that's life as a goalkeeper. I mean who 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 would in <laughs> their right mind want to be a goalkeeper? Miranda. <laughs> yeah, special breed. That's what I always told. Yeah, I was a hockey goalkeeper, and I think yeah, you're right. The goalkeepers are a special breed, um, and you you don't, you don't have the sort of leeway if a midfielder or, or a forward makes a mistake, people just go, oh, look, he's just lost the ball. You make a mistake, and this we're we're a goal down. Yeah, and I think yeah. Lily's got her own. She's she's been brilliant for us, and um, I've enjoyed training with her because I learned so much off her. But um. Yeah, she does her own thing on game day. She gets in the zone. She goes, walks laps around the pitch and, yep. you know, has her headphones in, always quite focused and, you know, everyone has their own individual things they yep. like to do before game day. So. And then last night, um, the, the boys went out to play and play they did. Yeah, they certainly yeah. did, didn't I they? I thought the, the first half, I mean, it looked like the first game of the season all again and no wonder after a three-week layoff. Yep. Uh, and the first half just seemed to blow out the cobwebs. Second half looked much, much better. Then they made the bulk substitutions and everything just went from yeah, that right. point onwards. The, um, the, the new Japanese player, uh, Ota, he was, he was involved in both of Did our second see that, half goals. Did you see for the second goal, the pace? Yeah. <laughs> he was just, no, he's uh, exciting prospect. I think for us, he's, he's quality. Yeah. I mean, normally before each uh, season, I sit there and go, oh, look, they're going to be great this season. But uh, this is probably first time in a while that we've been, you know, nine games into the season, yeah. and I'm still saying it. So, um, And yeah, it's, good, it's good to see that, you know, we, with all our defensive headaches we've had, we've found the cure for it in Aspro. Yes, yeah, he was fantastic. He was massive in yeah, the back line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even with the head knock, he's still very cool, confident. Um, yeah. You know, Daryl Lackman's had his detractors, but, you know, he's solid. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, I, w- I was happy with, with uh, everyone's performance, even... The one player on the team that I'm not a huge fan of uh, played well, which is uh, Malik. Yeah. Um, uh, so even even he had a decent game. So you know, and, was, and the young fella Josh Rawlings, I mean, youngest in the team. Yeah. Um, I think he was up there in our top three players. Oh, he certainly was. Not top three haircuts, but certainly top three <laughs> players. <laughs> yeah, if it was all about haircuts, then you know. <laughs> And that was that was Neil Kilkenny's hundredth match in the A League as well. So you know, congratulations to Neil Kilkenny. Yeah, definitely. And and I think you know, very solid game by him. Everyone was finding him with the ball. He was looking good. Um, he certainly put himself around. What did you reckon on the challenge by Young on Diagostino on top corner? Yeah, no, I the the one eyed glory supporter of me wants to scream for a penalty and, and send off the keeper. But no, I I thought that was actually fine. I thought it was fair. Mm. You could so. see he was looking for contact, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
but Dag- yeah. yeah, yeah, I think Daggers with his pace could have could have just gotten this a little bit quicker and, and would have it definitely would have been a penalty if you yeah. caught him differently. Mm. But um, look, I, I thought they they were playing really well. I thought in the first. The first half, very Castro-centric. Everything seemed to go through him. And then in at the top of the box, when we were in, in that attacking third, no one really wanted to, to just take a punt and smack one until Castro did. Yeah, exactly. He showed them how it was done. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And the moment he looked up, he went, this is going in. <laughs> <laughs> so much confidence. Yeah, oh, look, I think they're, they're going well. And now we've got, um, after having a three-week layoff, we've got a game on Tuesday. So Tuesday against four- Central Coast, top of the table. Yeah, again. Because so. don't forget, Brisbane were top of the table until last night. No, no, no. Central, Central, no, Coast, Central Coast. Yeah. Okay. So Brisbane, Brisbane's still second, but yeah. um, you know we're up to fifth with like three two, games, two, three games yeah. behind everyone else. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, it's looking really positive. Yeah. Um, during the week, we've had uh, sorts of NPL, not NPL, EPL stuff going on. Um, big win by by mine Don's team, West Ham over the old arch rival Spurs. Yep. I saw uh, Leicester were knocked out of the Yes, they were. Leicester were knocked out. Not the Champions League, the other one. Europa League. That's the one. (laughs) Yep. That's the one. You know know what I meant. Mm. And I've even got the page up here somewhere, but I've got too many pages open at the moment. I can't (laughs) see it. And last night, which I I suppose with the way COVID's worked out with all these fixtures and rejigging of the league, wasn't the best thing in the world. But we had a night series last night with uh, the NPL teams in action. Mm. We did indeed. We did. And if you want the results, I can even give them to you because I've got them right here. So that, that was kind of a hint to you, Pete, you know. <laughs> okay. I thought we had this magic going before, you know. <laughs> well, it's been, a, it's been a long layoff, so, yeah. you know, we like the glory back. So, anyway, uh, ECU Joondlup 5-3 over Rockingham City. Uh, Armadale 4-1 over Balcatta. Uh, Inglewood 1-0 over Gwellup. Uh, Perth Glory 1-0 over Coburn City. Florida Athena put six past uh, Bayswater. And Perth SC 2-0 winners over uh, Sorrento. So that's mm. the. I was actually trying to see if if the the website has a like a standings or something. I can't seem to see that. So there was one. I, I did I did see one the other day myself, but I'll uh, see if I can find it for you. Yeah. But yeah, look, it, it's uh, I suppose just an anomaly of COVID and the way they've had to rejig the the fixtures that we've ended up with the night series on the same night that most of the top players in this state are playing football. Yeah, true. And then, then all of their associated fans and. Um, coaches and everything else were out there, so it's not their fault. And I, yep. you know, I think Football West have done a good job with the night series. Um, so, uh, so the Glory crowd was a small one; it was um, five thousand four hundred thirty-two, which is in our smallest. Yeah, well, there's a thousand odd bodies just there. Yeah, exactly, that would would have probably gone. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm sort of thinking that the Tuesday night game quite possibly be even a smaller crowd simply because it's a Tuesday night. Mm. Um, so we'll see how that. Shapes. Yeah, it would be nice if we could have had that on Monday, really, wouldn't it, with the public holiday and everything would else? Would perfect. Spot yeah. on. All right. We're going to go to some messages, and we'll be back after those with Dan Israel, who is the um, manager of something. <laughs> <laughs> Football West member services. That's the one. Yeah, no, that's getting brain in gear shortly. Um, we'll be back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land, under starry skies above, don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Rotiron, are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. 
That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Yeah, so uh, lots of... 107.9 So lots of uh, State League stuff happening over the weekend. We've got Division 1 fixtures going on. Um, so there's plenty of football around for us, even though the, the Glory and the NPL sides have been out and played this weekend. Um, and we'll catch up with those fixtures later. But one of the men responsible for that is um, Dan Israel who joins us now. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the show. No, no, thanks for for being here. Um, You're the new manager of member services for Football West. Um, Are are you a football man yourself or did you come up through one of the other codes? Uh, Absolutely. Um, I've been living, eating, breathing football since I was a little kid um, and this is to some degree um, a bit of a dream job for me. Um, I've been involved in football probably professionally for about 20 years and um, yeah it's really exciting we've had a bit of a a bit of a change of football west which um, you know that's that's fortunate for myself I've got the opportunity to come in Um, my role is managing the clubs and the competitions now so again a really big challenge but something that I'm really excited about and really passionate about yeah, it's good to hear. So your your history is in sports administration. You've been involved in, um, I think, Curtin Uni. Yeah, I mean, Curtin Uni was was a really interesting um, experience for me. I was managing all the, the sport and recreation programs there. And again, we had uh, various clubs, including uh, Curtin University Football Club. So that was a real, real eye-opener. Um, and again, the thing that I loved about um, working at Curtin University was um, being able to um, really affect and put on sporting opportunities for young people to do the things they love. And my actual background, that was a bit of a departure from what I normally do. Normally I've been involved uh, much more in major event management. So having worked at World Cups, Asian Cups, Olympic Games, that kind of stuff. But again, that's more focused on the engagement level of um, the spectators. So working at Curtin was fantastic because actually allow me to put on stuff for people to do and, and again I feel like this job of Football West allows me to have that impact in people's lives which as we know is this day and age with, with everything that's going on around us is so vital so yeah yeah absolutely look uh, there's a COVID has had a, a massive effect across the world and across everybody and even though this state's been fairly well insulated from it, we've not been insulated from the effects and I suppose one of those is last night, it would have been, wouldn't have been ideal to have had all your NPL night series fixtures on the same night the Glory were playing and I know Football West have tried to avoid that but 
with the fixture reshuffle, you know, you commit to things and we're already feeling the pace there. Yeah, look, and it was a real, um, it was a real big challenge, and, and you've, you've absolutely nailed it in the sense that we wouldn't ordinarily schedule um, our game to clash with the glory for, for various reasons. One, uh, well, operational, but two, also we'd love to, you know, give everybody the opportunity to go and see the glory. They've not been able to play at home um, as often as possible, um, and so this was last night would have been a great opportunity for people to get down there, enjoy that. I hear they had a tremendous win, um, but yeah, unfortunately, as you said, we've already had the real reorganise our own fixtures um, given the shutdown we had a couple of weeks ago. The MPL club um, you know, we, we kind of came to an agreement where we would end up playing the full round so that they would still get five games in but it meant squeezing games into midweek and therefore playing on a Friday night when we've got Wednesday games um, was, was the sort of agreed way forward and then unfortunately yeah, the glory game got rescheduled for the same time so just mm. again, Sometimes you're able to, to do these things and, and, and everything kind of falls into line and other times it's a bit of a challenge. But what I do love is the fact that, yeah, despite it being a challenge, despite it not being ideal, everybody, once, once it's kind of happened, gets behind it and, and moves on and does the best they can. And, and again, I think that's one of the positive things we've seen out of COVID is, is that desire and that attitude to just get back out there and just do what we need to do to, to get going, even if it's not in the most ideal of circumstances. And, and uh, yeah, I, I personally, I was at the... Um, I was at um, Balmathenat Park last night, so I, I saw a tremendous game of football between ETU um, and, and uh, Rockingham that had everything, goals and incidents, and then I saw a very different game between Coburn and the Glory youth team. So I, I did get to see a bit of Glory, but um, yeah, their, their MPL team, um, and again, some, some promising talent coming through there, uh, no doubt yeah. for the future. Definitely. Now, with COVID, and, and obviously we've, we've just come out of that mini lockdown and that the threat of that happening is is ever so real. Um, so for for the league, we obviously would have some contingencies, as you have with the night series, doubling up and playing extra games midweek. But the, the effect of that on the FFA Cup, if we end up with um, a closed border and hotel isolation uh, for amateur players who are, you know, just playing in a, a cup game, uh, be a big impost. Do you see that causing any issues? Well, I mean, obviously you can see what's happened at that professional level. It's not ideal. Um, I spoke to Terry McFlynn, who told me he spent more time in hotel quarantine this year than he has with his family. So, um, yeah, you know, and, and, and that's all right if you're a professional. I mean, it's not all right, but it happens. Um, and as you said, um, for amateurs and for people where, where that's not possible, we've seen the effect, I guess, in the W League um, on, on that ability. Um, I guess from our point of view, the, the, the couple of things to hopefully be positive about is um, the tremendous way you know it's been handled in WA. The fact that even, yes, we did have a lockdown. Yes, we, we, we took that action really decisively. Yes, that had a massive knock-on to the football, but it was managed in a way that actually, look, we got away with it again. And, yeah, a week locked in and then a week out with some restrictions. And, you know, but when you look at what's happened, let's say, over in Victoria or in other states, and, you know, Hopefully the effect in WA will be minimal. Again, rollout of a vaccine will hopefully allow a bit more confidence in some of that stuff, borders reopening. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got to remain positive. I think we've got to... And again, our approach is, of course, let's aim for a full season. Let's aim to do everything as if it were normal, but also let's be ready. And we are ready. And again, it's really interesting, and I'm sure in, in all businesses, not just in football, a snap lockdown called with four hours, you know, 
when, when it was um, about a month ago now. Um, but people, you know, kind of knew what to do. They knew the drill. When yeah, it first yeah. happened um, in April last year, then it was a much different situation. Like, yeah, I, I think on, on the day it was called, you had ECU playing uh, maybe Grellup, I think, um, and their kickoff was exactly at the same time as, as the lockdown kicked in. So, <laughs> Correct. You know. so, and, and I was, we, we were organising a, a, a beach football tournament, and I was down at the beach um, watching that and uh, thinking about going on to the night series game that night, and then I spent the next hour frantically scrambling around trying to trying to get hold of the, the right people at the club and, and ensure that everybody was across what what was being announced and 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 then the next week you know again trying to trying to get a consensus and and, and find the path forward and um, and it was always difficult because again i think the thing is yes we know now what's happened but always at the time you're never quite sure how it's going to go will we be only one week when we come out what will the restrictions look like and we ended up playing a game uh for the night series still within that 150 people restrictions and I know um, Coburn City did a great job with that but again not ideal um, but it's doable and again I think that kind of um, ability for people to adapt and to actually you know still put something on um, that's really pleasing obviously the, the disappointing thing is that probably put a bit of pressure and you might have one of your other guests um, I know you, you, you might have the Armadale coach coming on yeah I've got John O'Reilly coming on yeah yeah, and he might tell you that, look, what effect it's had on players having to play pre-season, having to play midweek, it's a test. Uh, you know, on, a, on the other hand, hopefully clubs have been quite smart in the way they've managed that. They've been able to rotate players, been able to give the youngsters a bit of an opportunity, which to some degree is what the night series is all about. Have a look at some of your players, try out a few things. Yes, it's a competitive environment. Yes, we all want to win, um, but it's also that opportunity. So, yeah, yeah when your hand is forced sometimes, you know, you dealt lemons, but if you can come out with some lemonade, then, then I think that's a real positive. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, I, I, I really I, I did see a post during the week um, which was talking about the A-League being able to run five subs for their season whilst the um, athletic alcoholics <laughs> in the social leagues were only permitted to have three. Um, is that something we're looking at changing? or? <laughs> so that's, a real, that's a real interesting one. And what's happened very recently uh, is the, the rule, the IFAB, um, obviously the body that makes the rules uh, governing football, and came up with an amendment to the law where you're only allowed to have three substitutions and, and they changed that to five substitutions over three occasions. Um, but they they put that rule in place, a bit like the job keeper, up until a certain point, and that was meant to be June this year. Yeah, so that yeah. would have been fine for the A-League, which was supposed to finish about that time. And what they've since done is extended that period to December. So now we have the ability to choose whether we do that. Certainly for night series... And again, because of, um, you know, having to change the format and, and the timings of games, we wanted not only to allow that, but also then to allow, you know, in the NPL men, to, to allow clubs to have seven subs named on the bench. Yes, yeah. you can still only put four on, but at least it gives you a bit more flexibility around that squad yeah, definitely. management. And mm. um, for the season, I think we're going to look... Originally, we were planning on going back to three subs because what we didn't want to do is start off with five subs and then in June come to the end of that agreement and you have to go back. So we'd like to have a bit of consistency. Now that that's been pushed back to December by IFAB, we've got the opportunity, I think, to introduce that. And I think it would be sensible, again, to put that in as a measure. But knowing that eventually it will go back to three subs, I mean, obviously, unless the, the rules are permanently changed. And you can see, even even across Europe, different approaches 
um, in, in the Premier League in, in, in England. They've decided to only allow three subs. Um, in, in some of the other European leagues, they've allowed five subs. So, again, I guess that's down to the discretion of the individual league and how, how its members feel about it and yeah. what the pressures are. But definitely, if we can make it easier for people to play and reduce the risk for the players, and again, I think that was more of a concern last year where the season was squeezed, less of a concern this year other than if we get back to a scenario where, yes, we're going to be forced to, to be locked down, but also it's worth considering it from the start because we know we can do it this year. So, yeah. again, at the beginning we weren't able to do it. Now we, we, we do have the opportunity, so I think that's, that's definitely something that we're exploring and I think it would be sensible to do that. That's good. Um, now, going forward, and, and one of the, the, the themes that we've had consistently on my show anyway has been about um, the national registration guidelines and, and um, compliance issues that we've had around that. I believe the FF, or the, sorry, FIFA are pushing for us to have a professionalised NPL or state league or, or both. Um, are you aware of any of that going on in the background? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, it's funny enough, I mean... Uh, I've been uh, in my position now at Football West for about three months, and that was probably one of the first things that came up when I walked through the door. So it was a bit of a baptism of fire. Um, and, I, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things. We're blessed. We're blessed in that we're part of a global game. I've, I've been around the world. I've seen the power of football in, in various countries. Um, and, again, it's one of the things, even in Australia, where, you know, people might argue football is not the, the, the main code, but, again, its ability to impact people, to bring people in from all walks of life and all communities, it, it's tremendous. On the flip side of that, because we're, we're not um, a sport that's only managed in one country and only has to look at that country's, um, I guess, um, factors in isolation, being part of, um, you know, firstly, you know, the FA, as, as Football West, then the FA being part of the AFC, then the AFC being part of FIFA, we're part of a global game. So there's a lot of things which happen globally which are probably not best suited to, I guess, local football at WA, if I wanted to be blunt about it. But mm. because we're part of that structure, we're part of that hierarchy, we also have to, to play our part and go along. So, again, national reg registration um, guidelines have changed, as you said. Um, windows um, for registration have been brought in. Rightly, they've been brought in to um, to reflect the professional game. Unfortunately, that then impacts what I call, let's say, the semi-professional game here in WA. So, essentially, any league where one player, that is the test, one player is signed on a professional contract, that deems the entire league as professional. And what that means is that anybody within that league, whether they're professional or they're amateur, then has to be signed within the professional registration windows. And um, where, and that's had an impact again because those windows were set by the FA more so to deal with the professional game in line with the A League and the W League. And again, maybe in the future those leagues will be aligned with the Community League. At the moment, they're, they're sort of not quite aligned, and there's a crossover. So. Where we've really felt it actually is in, is in the women's game because the registration window for the women will not open again until the end of March. And we wanted to start the competition at the, at the beginning of April and, and it's, it's just not feasible. You can't get um, players all registered. Um, so we've had to push that, that back a couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's had an impact on our, on our competition. Yeah, there'll be a bit of getting used to from the club as to what to do. Um, will it impact 
long term, that remains to be seen. Um, you know, as they get yeah. better on it, anything that's introduced in the first year with a short notice of time is always going to have a, a bit of an impact. I've been very pleased with the way the, the club have kind of responded to it and just, again, just got on with it. And, yeah. and they're doing the right thing. Well, yeah, but the, how many professional players have we historically had signed in, though, in the, say, like the NPL or the State League over the last couple of years? And, and so at the moment, there is um, one player signed professionally. Okay. And, and that's all it takes. Um, and again, it, it so, seems crazy. And, and under the NRG, but, but then under the NRG, that means we've got one player in the NPL, who's earning more than $110, been paid more than $110. Everybody else is an amateur getting paid less than 110 in expenses. Officially, yeah. Look, and that's a different issue completely. So yeah. I guess there's two bits to this, right? The first bit is what's actually happening and the reality, and then the second bit of it is actually the, the, the formal piece. So formally, there is one player that's signed to a professional contract mm-hmm. um, and... Um, I mean, we can talk about how clubs structure that and, and where yeah. the benefits are for, for, for players. But again, it's, it's, that's, a, that's a, a, a separate issue and, and a, a wider a wider piece. Yeah. But in terms of the actual, you know, I guess formal part of it, yeah, one player is signed as a professional. Mm. Um, I'm just concerned. Yeah. There's a huge pineapple out there waiting for someone. And um, you know, we look at what happened to Adelaide not so long back. Um, they got uh, fined a large amount of money mm-hmm. and points over several seasons. So, you know, it's not as if it's an, um, a small thing. It's a big compliance issue, and we're very reticent to to professionalise the game here. I don't know why, because I think it'd be a good thing. Yeah, and again, I think I think it's a real interesting point, and and it's and with all of these things, there's I guess there's positives and negatives, right? And I think one of the things that's probably always a massive factor is historical. And yeah, we've always done it like this. Um, and again, it's, it's sometimes very difficult when you say, well, okay, you need to change and we need to do it this way. Um, and again, I guess to some degree it comes down to, you know, anything with compliance comes down to your ability to actually um, manage and police that. So yes, it's all well and good in principle to say this is what we should be doing. Um, you know, what what the reality is is, is sometimes very different. Um, but agreed 100% that, you know, all of our clubs... Um, should be aiming, you know, and I'm not even talking about even at that MPL level. What's really pleasing to me is is wanting to see uh, we've got 250 clubs in WA, wanting to see them all get better, get stronger in terms of the off-field stuff, in terms of the governance, in terms of the structures, yeah. in terms of the way that they engage. Because again, you know, if, if you think about what can affect people wanting to be part of the game, um, you know, the clubs are the shop front, and and so again, a big focus for us at Football West and, and I guess if I took my competition's hat off for a second and put my club's hat on, and um, some of the stuff that we're trying to do with the clubs around that space, and, and again, you know, some support around the COVID uh, factors, but also, you know, how, how to help clubs moving forward to maybe not be professional, professional, because again, there's a space for that at the top end of the elite end, but how that can they, um, I guess, ensure best practice, good yeah. governance is present, and that therefore the stakeholders, i.e. the players and the people involved at the clubs, have the best possible experience. And then and the, that draws more people into our game. And then the clubs themselves are small businesses. Even the smaller yeah. clubs have got turnovers, you know, $250,000 or so. And and the bigger clubs, you know, when you start to go out to the, the really big clubs, like the Melvilles of this world and... and um, 
Quinns and people like that, their their turnovers would be astronomical. It's a, it is a big business with with a fair bit of money running through it. So um, we we do need to professionalise how the game is run, and it's not just um, someone who's you know tipping the family inheritance into um, players' wages. Yeah, one hundred percent. And look, I think um, sustainability is always key. Um, and and again, I, I think it's a real interesting problem. Not just locally, you see that globally. You see different models, and um, even at the very top end of the game, you know, um, in WA you have a single owner model, and in some of the other uh, A League clubs they have consortiums. And mm. some of them, you know, again maybe we'll reach a point where we've got a, a fan base. You know, if you look at, at the example of how German or, or some of the Spanish clubs are run. Yep. Um, so, again, there's lots of different models for that at the top end, and I think even at the bottom end, but you, you're 100% spot on. There is, um, you know, one on the one hand, these, these are community organisations run by volunteers, but on the other hand, there is a serious amount of, um, I guess, business to do, and, again, to professionalise that, to ensure best practice is happening, to make that as, as good as possible is, is vital for the success of our game. Um, so yeah, mm. it's, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting challenge. All right, Dan, it's been been good talking to you this morning, and I haven't even got onto unregulated <laughs> sports betting with you yet, and that's another subject all in itself. So um, <laughs> we'll save that for another day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's an interesting thing because it, it's got some positives, but uh, obviously there's some negatives around that as well. But thank you very much for your time this morning, and I'm sure it won't be the last that's time. Pleasure. Thanks, mate. See ya. Bye. So that was Dan Israel, a uh, man with a big job ahead of him with uh, member services. Lots to go on there with the... Sounds like he's on top of it, but... Yeah, yeah. No, look, he's a switched-on cookie and, um, you know, hopefully we'll we'll get through. I mean, uh, unfortunately, with that job, it seems to have burnt a few people along the way. It's a, it's a big task and you're trying to manage a lot of different people, a lot yep. of different agendas, lots of different politics and lots of different egos that you've got to yes. tiptoe through the minefield of. Hmm. I've got some trivia I'll share with you if that's cool, all right. Man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yesterday was Kazuyoshi Miura's birthday. 54. 54. Yeah. Now, I actually sort of did a little bit of research. If you cast your mind back to 2005, November yep. 2005, so for the record, that's when Australia beat Uruguay and sort of qualified for the World Cup for the first time. So, cast your Miranda. You, I was you, two. Yeah, <laughs> you were two. So. He, he actually had a loan uh, with Sydney FC and played for them. Actually, against the glory, we had a, t- a nil-all draw. Yep. Um, at that point, he was, within a month, as old as Diego Castro is now. So, that was 15 years ago. He is still uh, playing professionally in the J-League for Yokohama um, at age... Well, he's now 54. I don't know if he's taken to the pitch as 54, but he certainly has taken to the pitch. Uh, in September, he play, He started the J-League match against uh, Kawasaki Frontale and in doing so became the oldest player to take the pitch in a J-1 league and the oldest player ever to play a match in the highest national division. He played 57 minutes in that match, so it's not like he just turned Came out for a token appearance. So, yeah, he's, he's an outfield player as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, so he's not... Yeah, no, he's a striker, so he's... Um, <laughs> So uh, 50, 54, so there's probably still some hope for maybe the old blokes yeah. that they can still, you know, make an appearance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just the, the fact that, you know, that's that was 16 years ago mm. um, that he was playing for, you know, had a loan for Sydney FC. I mean, most people are happy if their career lasts 16 years. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was that was my trivia for the day. Yeah, no, look, he's doing a good job at 54 and still playing at top league. Um, wonderful. Yeah. Um, someone who's not quite 54 and who's still very much capable of playing the good league is our next guest, yep. um, Steve McGarry from the Perth Glory. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Um, wonderful result last night um, with a very young team out there and, and lots of local talent. Must be very pleasing from a coach's perspective to see that uh, happening. Yeah, listen, we are absolutely delighted with the result. Um, I think, you know, I think it was a, a fair result in mm. terms of a second half performance. Mm. Um, it took us a little while to get going in the first half, I've got to admit. Um, you know, coming back off, you know, the quarantine break yeah. and the extended three weeks we've not, you know, we've not played for three weeks. So, listen, the guys have been, the guys have been unbelievable. The, the amount of challenges that they've come up against in terms of stopping, starting, um, you know, not just the, the physical elements, but the, the mental issues, the mental element as well. They've, they've just sort of kind of, you know, embraced every challenge that's been thrown at them. And, you know, it did take us a little while to get going in that first period. But, yeah, yeah the second half was fantastic. And like you said, we a lot of young local talent mixed in with some top quality as well. You, you talk about the trials and tribulations of this season. I mean, the... You, we played our first game um, probably three or four games into the season for everybody else. And then in four days, oh, sorry, in 11 days, we've played four games, three of them away. Um, you know, that in itself must have been horrendous. Then you go into a three-week lockdown, then it was very much last night was like the first game of the season again. Mm. And then in another three or four days, we're, we're playing Central Coast Mariners who are top. Anybody else would be going, oh, we've been picked on. But no, you just, <laughs> the boys are just picking it up and, and taking it in their stride. Yeah, I think that's the sort of kind of <clears throat> group that we've got this year. You know, the, the, everyone's sort of kind of, you know, instead of making excuses in terms of all these different problems working up against, the guys are, like I said, they're just embracing it. And we sort of kind of flip it on its head and say, listen, OK, we're behind in terms of the amount of games we've played, but we've actually got an opportunity to go and look how teams play and look how tactically they set up and how we can exploit them. So we've sort of kind of flipped the mindset and said, listen, let's use this to our advantage. And, you know, with that youthful exuberance and, and you know, you know like what happens when you bring young players into the team, you know, they just, you know, they don't let things affect them. And um, with, with the older guys who are complementing that, the quality, the quality footballers that they've got, the experienced guys, you know, are just they're, they're, they're just complementing each other at the moment. So we're, we're in a good space, but yeah. you know, listen, we're, we're very early into the season, so we're definitely not getting carried away. But it must be very difficult to get your, your match fitness up and get a rhythm and get a vibe happening, um, and all those. Yeah, the little one percenters that you as a coach would want in a team it, with the way it's been going it must be horrible to, to try and get that happening yeah and I think that's um, listen it, it, it ends up being quite a lot of work it's like you know the days become very long because you've got a plan you've got in place and you've scheduled everything we have you know we have meetings with the medical staff the S&C staff to make sure the guys are ready to go for every training session and, and prime them for every game but then that schedule and that plan flips so then we've got to revisit the plan and, and revisit it again and it's, it's continuous but you know I think we've got a real good group of you know um, coaching staff and, and support staff that were 
we 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 we're also embracing the challenges that have been flung at us, and you know we're working at different solutions just to make sure we are getting the players in the best possible safe, um, sorry, the best possible place mentally and physically on the field. So uh, the guys, you know, behind the scenes are doing a lot of work as well to prepare the, the boys for that. And and preparing them well, you are. I mean, one of the players of, of the game last night was uh, young Rawlings, who mm. um, I mean, gave away a horrendous penalty when you're in the away phase of the, the season. And that would have broken some people, but he's just got out there. He went about his business very, very workmanlike last night, up and down the track. And, you know, he didn't put a foot wrong. I thought he was absolutely fantastic last night. And like you said, yeah, he's going to, he's going to come in and... He's going to make mistakes, but, you know, Richie, um, myself, you know, Danny Milo, Terry, we've, we've got belief in these young kids. We wouldn't, we wouldn't put them in, you know, um, in that position if we didn't think they could go and do a job. And I think jo- Josh, for a 16-year-old last night, you know, you would think he was 32, 33. You know, yeah. calmness on the ball, his decision-making, you know, his timing of going and joining in the play, I thought, I thought he was excellent. And, you know... I think it was, I think it was at one each. He made a couple of really important interceptions, and um, so he's coming along. And, and every game, he'll grow and he'll grow and he'll, he'll become more accomplished. And he's he's not shy. I see a couple of times when when Castro's had a little word with him, and he's he's just giving it back. Um, and I, I like that in a player. I think you know he's he's certainly developing into a very very good fullback. Yeah, and we've got we've got that you know all over the pitch. We've got. Good young players in certain aspects, you know, you know, Carlo Armiento, Nick Daggis, you know, guys who haven't played regular football at any any part of their career, they are now getting opportunities. You know, you've seen Callum Timmons, Brandon Wilson get a standard run. You know, I think they've had nine nine or ten players now coming through that academy system. So you know, th- those guys they've earned the right to an extent to. To, to be on that field so yeah if Cass is giving you a spray and you want to give him a spray back no problem <laughs> I think they've got that they've got that respect for each other but yeah I'm sure they'll be taking on board you know what, what your Neil Kilkenny's your, your Bruno yeah. Bonnerollis and your, your, your Cassie's saying because these guys you know they've played at the top level for a long time and another player although very young very experienced and and super cool he's the ice man and I think you know um, having Josh play alongside Aspro has been yeah. phenomenal because Aspro is so cool um, even you know, the head injury he's gone on and just played a brilliant game um, and Daryl Lackman next to him is big and strong uh, he's had his detractors but you know that back line although it's completely new you wouldn't think so yeah, no, I think the, the the back line is improving all the time. You know, everyone spoke about the amount of goals they scored and, you know, they sort of kind of offset that by saying um, the amount of goals they've conceded. But they, these guys are improving every time. And Johnny Aspro is another guy who's never had a real run in a, in, a, in a team, in a professional team. So another guy who's lacking experience, but, you know, you know coming and making very good performances. Alongside Darrow, I thought Darrow was excellent. You know, in terms of yes, he was good, and he's defending one v one. But I thought, in terms of that second half period when you know we started to control the game, a lot of stuff came through Darrow and how how he played through the lines and his passing ability as well. So he's not just you know a big bruise in centre back. He's actually got 
um, some real qualities in the, in, the, in the passing department as well. He allows us to play, get your killers on the ball, get your Castro's on the ball, mm. and um, that sort of kind of gives a little bit of momentum for that second period. And talking of players that haven't haven't had an extended run, it's very, very difficult for someone who plays reserve keeper and has done for plenty of years mm-hmm. um, then to step out into the into the forefront. And, you know, um, Flappy's done that. He's done that exactly. He's gone out there. He's been given an opportunity and, and now he's just seized it with both hands. Um, and I know that Liam Reddy will not be letting him rest on those laurels. He, he's telling him, he, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take my spot back. That must be fantastic for you as, as a coaching team to have in the side. Yeah, no, two, two top goalkeepers. You know, Liam, um, you know, he, he'll be, he, like you said, he'll be chomping at the back to, to get back in the team and that's what we want. We want two number one goalkeepers fighting for that spot and, you know, Tando got his chance and he's grabbed it with both hands, um, so to speak. And um, oh, he's been he's been he's been cool. He's come up with some big saves when we've been under pressure. And uh, no, I think he's enjoying this extended this extended um, kind of slot in the team at the moment. So he's been fantastic. Yeah, no, it's great. And I think you know when you look at the side now, and, and with people like young Josh Rawlins in there, and, and some of the other lads that were were playing in the MPL side, um, it's re- it must be really good for you as the under 18s coach with the, the glory to be looking at these lads and going, "This is real. This you can do this. This isn't like the old days where we had good young players coming through who would be on the bench and mm. and get the, just like charity runs. This is if you're good enough, you're old enough, and you're going to get a run." Uh, it must be fantastic for their confidence to know that they're playing in a club that will do that. Yeah, and I think you probably can look at, you know, you know, even like Daniel Steins again, yeah. another one who's been fan- fantastic. He's come on, he showed real energy. He's been a, he's been a goal threat. He's allowed us to get up the pitch in terms of his dribble, dribbling ability. Um, so another one who's come through our academy, left, you know, had a bit of MPL experience and the real world then. He's come back in with a new lease of life, and no, I think it's just if, if you're not if you're, you're a young player in our academy at the moment, you're 13, 14, 15, you're looking ahead and saying, you know, there's a pathway, and it's not that too far away because yeah. you know Josh is only 16, um, you know, you get these guys, you know, Riley Walland as well, mm. Luca mm. Bodner, and um, Mason Tatarfu. These guys are you know 18, 19, 20, so it's actually not that far away. Um, so no, these guys must be, you know, be excited and and listen, they can be proud of themselves and you know the way they've handled their opportunity. But at the same time, they must be grounded because it's only the staff. Yep. They, they need to they need to come into training every day with a a willingness to to work and a willingness to learn. Because if they don't, you know, they'll they, you know they'll they'll be the same as everyone else. You know, we've actually got some real competitiveness in in most positions at the moment, and you know, you see. Uh, Koski coming on last night. He was he was another fantastic oh, yeah. introduction, introduction last night. He was mm. gave us fantastic balance on that left hand side, and and again he adds more quality to the group going forward. And uh, you talk about Daniel Steins. Um, you know he's one of these guys who's come through your system. He came out, went and played in the NPL for a season. A lot of the lads that leave the NPL go. That's it. I'm done, and they just roll into that it wasn't enough for him he worked really hard in the NPL he's, he's worked so hard you've, you've 
reignited your interest in him and brought him back. So it, it shows yeah. that just because you've been through the program and, and pushed out doesn't mean that it's the end of the road for you. If you want to work hard and you want it bad but, enough, you can make it. Yeah, listen, there's, there's so many different pathways to, to, um, to becoming a professional. And, and, and it's difficult here in Australia because we've only got one top league. Um, but that was part of our strategy. You know, myself, Richie, and, and the guys, the coaching staff sat down and we, we drew up a list of names of, of, of MPL players um, out with our, our, our academy and we invited them in. So we invited around 12 MPL players in at the beginning of the year and, and we brought them in, we trained and I think potentially like, you know, they maybe thought it was, it was a bit of lip service saying, oh, we're ticking off a box, but we're looking. But it wasn't, but we're, we're, we're honestly looking for local talent, whether they've been in the system, out the system, or you've been at an MPL club, you know, all your life. We were looking for the best players in WA, and we gave, you know, a couple of guys that come back in, that you know, we brought them back in. They put, you know, they were thrown in, some of them were thrown in straight at the deep end in the, in, in the ACL, and, you know, and others have, have kicked on playing some minutes in the league as well. So, no, listen, it's a real positive vibe around the place and, and I'm, I'm sure it's been great to see we're getting some fantastic backing from you know the the community and the local teams and it feels like everyone's behind us at the moment Yeah no definitely look and, and in the stands last night um, you know I- very much like yourself, I thought the the first half of the game was was almost like we'd started the season again, and everyone was just getting to know each other. Um, first time, first time at home for um, Diego as well, and I think we were probably a little too Diego conscious. Um, second half came out with a completely different mindset, and then by the time you'd made the substitutions, um, the you know you're in the ascendancy, and, and definitely made sure of the points. Yeah, and I think that. <clears throat> You know, I think it was really important what last night, you know, we kept ourselves, you know, we, we were at home and we wanted to be on the front foot. But like you said, just in terms of, you know, coming back from that long break off, it took the guys a little while. But those guys who come on, we made, you know, Richie made those four substitutions at the same time to have an impact. And, you know, that, that they definitely made an impact. Andy, Camon, Steinze, uh, Osama and Koski, they all contributed to the team. So it shows you, you know, we've got a lot of young guys in there, but they've they've actually those young guys as well. They've created a little bit of depth in our team, and it's good. You know, we've got guys who they can trust when they come on the pitch, and there's a there's an opportunity to you know go and do things. They, they went on and contributed, so I thought it was really exciting. The last the last thirty minutes of the game, you know, what a goal from you know fantastic build up play, uh, great great switch of play from Killer uh, onto Koski's foot, and just a little bit of class with that little cut back and what a finish it was from Bruno so um, and I think the boys relaxed after that enjoyed and controlled the game so and you could see that from the, the fans as well getting behind the team and the last 30 minutes was really enjoyable Oh no! Look, from a fan's perspective um, the perfect game really we were you know, a little bit uh, concerned when they got the equaliser at half time but um, you know it's, it's what we wanted from a, a glory side it was a glory side that had Lots of good local talent playing through it that was looking like it was trying to win, um, looking like they were, were interested and, and all the things that you know, make a fan happy. And even if the results don't go our way, um, I think that's what we're, we're seeing is a side that's that's playing with the right intent and the right spirit. Yeah. No, and, like, it's, it's, you know, it's still early on the season. We are, 
we're travelling good, but you know we've won three on the bounce. But we, we 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 spoke to the players after the game to enjoy the win, enjoy the feeling. But now we flip to Tuesday, and the the, the, the focus is fully on Central Coast. Mm. Now we've got to prepare. Um, you know we'll utilise the squad that we've got. We'll learn from potentially when we went to play. You know when we played three days after we played the Adelaide game, we played Western United, and we probably never switched the team around as we probably should have. We learned from that, and we're looking at you know changing the team around a little bit and giving some fresh impetus to the to the to the group. And you know we've got to trust these guys to go and do a job and carry on from the good work that you know that went on from last night. Absolutely, and we've also got other new players coming in. Um, Sebastian is another young fella coming in. Um, is he far off, or is he a week or yeah, two no, away? Yeah, uh, Sebastian. He, he um, you know, landed last Monday, and we've you know even through all his medical routine, and, and we've just built him gradually to get him moving on the field. He's still adjusting with the time, and obviously the the weather. So again. We'll, we'll, we'll have, we've got a plan in place for him and you know he'll he'll probably be built up and his, his training will be his schedule will be increasing every day so hopefully we you know we'll see him on the field you know in the next couple of weeks and economides he had that horrendous knee injury at the end of last year um i believe he's he's on the mend and could well be coming back into the team as well yeah yeah Chris is you know training with the, with the main squad for you know, most of the time, um, he's looking and moving well. He just has to tick off another a couple of boxes. But, yeah, he's another one who's going to be available, you know, over the next period. You know, he's probably still another couple of weeks away. But, yeah, we're starting to, you know, when these guys come back, you know, you've got your economies and your, uh, your line camps coming in. You know, there's going to be a real you know, real quality to the, to the group. Yeah, definitely. Now, talking about real quality in the group, uh, the NPL side, um, anyone we should be looking at within the, the NPL setup this year to to be pushing for spots in the, the first team this year? Yeah, well, there's a couple of guys, you know, probably not, you've not seen um, Kieran Bramwell, who's just, he's, he's another player who's had a, a bit of an injury. So he's 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 on the mend again and, and he'll, he'll be around the periphery, Bryce Barford. And Chris Danell's a young lad who played MPL last night, central midfielder. Luca Bodner's back from, um, who was originally in our academy, went to ECU, come back in. So um, he's another one. Uh, Gio Colley. So there's, there's, yeah, there's, listen, there's plenty, there's plenty on the periphery. And it's just about up to these guys, you know, who wants to stand up. You know, we've got, we've had, you know, a few of them standing up and having an opportunity. But it's about them coming to train every day. They're having plenty of opportunities. You know, these guys who are on the periphery are, are not just training with the MPL squad and, and they're down there. You know, we, we bring them up um, and train with the squad, trying to help them get up to speed, up to the, the speed of the A-League and uh, playing with different quality footballers. So we're trying to help these guys get up to that, you know, that, that spot where, you know, they're, they're knocking on the door to say, listen... You know, I'm travelling really well. I'm a young player. I'm, I'm eager, ambitious. I'm working hard. And, you know, if they continue to do that on a consistent basis, you know, they'll get opportunities. Mm. Mm, no, it's wonderful to hear, Steve. And uh, I know Pete and I will be at the ground on Tuesday yep. night cheering the boys on. Um, looking, Really looking forward to uh, Tuesday night, but also the season in general. I think it's... Um, going to be one of the surprise teams of the year because uh, I don't think with the youth that you had people gave you much of a chance but 
proving them all wrong. All right. Fellas, thank you very much for your support. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Steve McGarry, Perth Glory. Um, a wonderful team to watch. Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. someone, um, a central midfielder um, from the NPL side, getting a run Get, alongside yeah. Castro and <laughs> just watching what he does, you know. And again, with the other boys watching people like Andy Keogh and... Literally, we seem to have a, a wealth of riches, both in the terms of both in terms of the young lads stepping up, and they yeah. are stepping up, as well as you know the the old, experienced, you know, you know your Fauna Ollies, your Kilkennys, etc. There was a point in the game last night where um, uh, Brisbane was on uh, was was through on goals. I was I was sitting in the southern yeah. stand, and they were sort of coming towards us, and Aspro chased down the player, and he. He looked like he was half the size of the Brisbane player. The Brisbane yeah. player looked big and strong. I remember Aspro the incident quite well. Sk- yeah. and, and he just out-muscled him with ease. Like, uh, sorry, Aspro just out-muscled him with ease. Yeah. Just just turned and quite casually turned and then played the ball out. But y- you wouldn't have thought that was going to happen just looking at the size no. of the two mm. players. as they were No, it was a mismatch yeah. for sure. And then <clears throat> we talk about uh, Rawlings, but late in the game, I think it was 2-1 at the time, mm. um, their big a winger was going down with the ball and he's just done the simple stuff which was just to run alongside him and make sure he couldn't get the cross in yep. and yep. just you know simple football yep. but really hard to do didn't over elaborate it didn't try and win the ball just mm. just made himself a wall yep. um, and that, that shows real experience and, and shows that he's, he's developing as a player and I think yeah, he did a fantastic job and, in covering that and they, they from his side of the park they got very few crosses in yeah that's true yeah, and I do think that what Steve was saying there about bringing some of the young players in from the MPL into yeah. their training environment on occasion is so important because you just, you know, if you take them in and you yeah. just chuck them into a game environment, it's mm. it's a big jump and it's difficult yeah. for players well, to adjust. with the, the W League side, mm. that's the position you find yourself in, yeah, though, isn't exactly. it? And that's where you're now playing and training with Lily and you've already said today that you know you're learning so much from yeah. her mm. um, and that's that's a really good thing and then the, the confidence that you have when you're in and around that group is they're known to you yeah exactly and then if if you know god forbid but we ever got to a point where you you got an opportunity and not because of where you are in as a goalkeeper but because we hate to lose the yeah. goalkeepers there <laughs> yeah, yeah but um if you had your opportunity at least you're there you're known to them they're known to you there's nothing worse than i've done it myself as a player you've got a goalkeeper behind you you don't even know if he's ever played goal before <laughs> <laughs> and you know you need to have that trust and and yeah. that's what you get when you're playing in those games so i think they're doing a wonderful job yeah yeah, 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 again, I'm excited, and like I say, normally pre-season, I'm always talking the glory up, and then sort of as the season progresses, I get worn down. But at the moment, it's like I say, we're we're six games in and and still looking good. But, but the thing Coast. is, Pete, and I, I, my feeling on this is that irrespective of where we end up at the end of the season, yeah. I feel really good about our team, and yeah. I, don't, and I and I'm not that worried about. I'm not thinking about winning the whole thing. But just having a side out there that is competitive, that is playing, looks like they want to wear the shirt, want to, yeah. to battle for everything, is enough for me. And if they get beat, they get beat. Um, you know, a couple of the away games, you know, they're unfortunate, but yeah, yeah. they played well. And it's like, you know, we, we talked about the, the women. Um, I'm not disappointed here. The result last of Thursday night was horrible. Mm. But when you look at the quality of the football they're trying to play, that will all come together at some point. Yeah, and I think the good thing with Alex is he seems to keep talking about the long term, and especially with a young yep. squad, and it does yeah. seem that he has the future in mind and he's, he's building something and he's building the foundations this season. It, it doesn't necessarily mean 
results and it's not that he's not wanting to win because I can tell you very much <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, the whole team is it's dying for a result but yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a project and I think everyone on the team is on board with that yeah I think with the women's game the only thing more horrible than the result was the actual Kayo broadcast I don't know if anyone else watched it but yeah. there was no sound for the first 40 minutes or so and they did apologise and I don't know whether a plug was unplugged and just no one knew <laughs> but and the, the broadcast quality wasn't great either yeah um, I think from what I could tell, it looked like they had two cameras at the ground, which, I mean, it's a it's a W League match. It's not fair enough. It's not going to be a high rating match mm. for Kaya. I'm not expecting, you know, 10 cameras yeah, around the ground. Yeah. Two cameras was about right. But, you know, yeah, for them to go 40 minutes with no sound and somehow never picked up on it. Yeah, is, and I think it's it's a number yeah. of broadcasting blunders that have happened this season. Yeah. You had the one... The, but on Canberra that game with the logo in the middle of it for about fifteen minutes, you had one of the other games with someone brought on that point. In their though, room. The Foxtel were given a significant yes. amount yes. of money to to do this. Now, if it was um, you know a, a local person who was a video camera, or even like the Football West guys who are all volunteers and yeah. we, we, you know they're doing the best they can to promote the game without any cost, um, you go, oh look, it's. I know people have been savage when they've, they've had a crowd in front of them and the blokes trying to record a yeah, game, but these yeah. are amateurs who are doing their best. Mm. But when you've got a professional entity like, like Fox yep. involved, you would imagine at least a basic level of professionalism. Exactly, exactly. You know? A, a sound cable getting kicked out is understandable, but you'd expect it to get fixed pretty quickly, not mm. Yeah, not absolutely. And I think they're, they're running it on a budget um, without any real thought about the game in, in, in itself. And yeah. I think that's, that's the problem, that they're not really doing us any justice. And I, I'm very disappointed with Fox and have been for some years mm. um, with their their coverage of the game, their promotion of the game. Yep. Um, and, you know, I think they're, they're more interested in other codes than they are football. Yeah, true. And there has been some rumours that Stan was maybe sniffing around to... Yeah, but the, the problem is it's a, it's a huge market. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, no one's really tapped into that market. And we, we've got some wonderful marketing tools, particularly for the, the W League, when you look at who we've got playing in the UK yeah. and Sam Kerr and, and a lot of other good, talented women mm. out there that are, are very media-friendly. Um, be you know, we, we don't make the most of it. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. We've got a good product and we just need to get it out there. All right, we're going to go to some messages and we'll be back after those messages with John O'Reilly, who is with Armadale City uh, MPL. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. Hi, I'm Penny Tanner-Hoth. It's Season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia. Morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed... But the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. 
find a membership form on our new website, the World Football Programme. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. That um, thing by Pat had a sort of weird old Yankovic polka vibe about it, didn't it? <laughs> it was quite, yeah, quite jolly, really. Um, okay, joining us now is our next guest, uh, John O'Reilly from Armadale City. <coughs> Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good, mate. Um, seems like you've been at Armadale forever, and I'm, I'm having to look through the stats last night, and uh, this is your fifth season with them. Which That's right, yeah. um, makes you the longest continuous coach at Armadale in their history. Um, oh, there you go. Billy, Billy Russell did four, had a break and came back for a year, so he actually did five seasons, but yours is the fifth season in a row. Um, last season, you finished sixth in the NPL, which is your highest ever finish. And, of course, back in 2018, you, you won the, the State Cup. So, you know, a pretty successful run under your, your um, stewardship, mate. Uh, I think it's more of a, a progressive run, um, you know, like success, you know, a few more titles and I'll start calling it a success, but uh, for me, I think it's, it's progressive, I think from where um, the club was, and when I say the club, I mean like, you know, the first team uh, when I joined, uh, to where they are now, I think we've steadily progressed, um, kind of slowly changed how we play, slowly changed what type of players we're trying to attract and, and we're starting to... Just, yeah, we've got a bit more sort of like vision of where we want to be. Yeah, look, you're right. It has been a progression. But, you know, it takes a success for a coach is getting another contract for another year. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I've, you know, I've seen some in, in the EPL win the Premier League and, and because they didn't win the the uh, European Championship, they're, <clears throat> they're gone. Um, so, you know, another season is success as a coach. But you, you're right. You've, you've gradually improved. You've brought in quality every year and you, you keep just adding to that. So it's, you know, you, mm. I think you've gone from being perennial cellar dwellers to now being expected to be pushing into that top four. And, and as a coach, I know you've always expected that. But do you, do you yeah. see yourselves being taken more seriously now than, mm. than you were previously? I'd like to say yes and no. Um, there's, definitely, there's definitely a different feel um once i've put the squad together um there's definitely a feel that we we can be competitive and and aiming for top half top four is not beyond our capabilities mm. we just need a little bit of luck injury free and you know and we can we can push towards that and uh, when i say no sometimes there is a little bit of a stigma still about um armadale and, and i think also the distance of where it is so i would i would think that more and more players would be looking for their opportunities to get themselves in the shop window. Um, but unfortunately, like with, with the sort of money that's being thrown around in Div 1, we've got about three, four clubs that are competing for the same player group as us. Mm. Um, so it's, it's trying to change that mentality or that, provision, or that perception of who we are to, to be able to try and capture a few more of those sort of target players that we chase. Yeah, definitely, and I think there's, you know, we, I was talking to Dan Israel from Football West earlier on about the uh, the sort of money that's been touted or, or rumoured to be in existence, um, but given that only one player in the state is actually registered as a professional and has been recompensed for more than $110, um, obviously everyone else is an amateur and uh, the, the money shouldn't be the problem. Yeah, that's, I think that's, a, that's another 
conversation it's high about the, yeah. the money and the sort of like the status of amateur and professional I, I think I mentioned to Peter Hugg several years ago that I felt there needed to be a semi professional status mm. because that's what we are but mm. they didn't they, uh, there wasn't any intention to kind of explore that avenue so I think it's two I think it's two ends of the spectrum to say that they're amateur players or they're professional players because they're not amateurs and they're not professionals so to make you pick which one you go into means that you fill in the grey areas yourself. So yeah. I, like, the actual money that's being paid doesn't bother me. Like That's every club's perspective, um, prerogative, what they what they wish to do in terms of the finance. But I think by categorising amateur or professional, it's missing a whole opportunity to, to actually um, create, uh, what's the word, You know, more, more of a status of what the league actually is. Yeah, it definitely is not a true reflection <coughs> reflection of the league or where the, the the standing or status is, and then that by by default pushes everything into a very murky world. Um, and I think you know the the money is a side of it, and you you want people at your club who want to play for the club and play for the shirt. And I suppose what you're saying is in Armadale, that's um, not as easy as it that's would be in some of the, the glamour clubs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and again, it's, look, it's, at the end of the day, every club has their position um, within the world of football in their in their environment, and that that's what we do look for. We look for players that want opportunities, that they want to prove themselves. So that gives us a little bit of a, an edge in terms of of heart and motivation. Um, like I was, I was watching Perth and uh, sorry, Florida and Bayswater last night, and that scoreline was was astounding. You know, four 0 down at half time, um, Florida. And we were looking at two teams with some very good players out there. But yeah. one team clearly wanted it more than the other. Um, and I guess the, sort of like the sort of point I'm making is with, with Armadale players, like one thing we can never be faulted about is, is that heart, that, that effort uh, and that fight. Um, sometimes results don't always go your, your way with grit and blood alone. But um, if it wins us a few more points each year and it, and it makes us competitive every game then yeah that's kind of like a, an aspect of, of a player that I'm looking for when I'm chasing people yeah and, and talking of, of people you're bringing in and chasing and that sort of things you've got, you've got Kevin Ashwood who's um, always keen to prove himself and he's a, he's a very keen competitor Brian Patterson who um, you know um, I know you've had your history with him as well but he's he's someone that needs um, careful management, but he's a very, very fierce competitor. And then this year, you've yeah. got uh, your, your new keeper in, Yertsy, who I've seen around the State League quite a lot. Um, it's really good to see that he's actually getting an opportunity now in an NPL squad to prove what he can do. It's funny, actually. Those three players you've mentioned have all, all been affected by um, the visa ruling yeah. earlier on in their mm. time in the, in the State. So, it, it, again, that's another sort of like there like it's a shame because Brian Kev Usury they should all have been playing MPL a lot earlier than what they have now yep um, and you know I think that's, that was a missed opportunity for the league to have some some quality players within within the, the ranks and you're right but, I mean that is one yeah. of the problems we've had with the visa rule is when someone comes in and they've, they've got a trade certificate as an electrician and they've come in here to work as an electrician or an air conditioning engineer yeah. or, or whatever yeah. 
And then, yeah. as as far as football concer- is concerned, even at amateur level, they're now considered a, a visa player, and they're not here mm-hmm. to play football. They're here to be an electrician, a plumber, yeah, a, an engineer. Lifestyle. Yeah, that's right. They're here. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And you look at it like like two of those players are like Pats and um, and Kev. Like they've been in Australia for some time now, and obviously the visa thing prevented them from playing NPL when they first got it. And here we are now, two gentlemen that are in their thirties or touching thirties and they should have been playing they should have been playing MPL like three, four years ago. Um, but they've had to wait for their visas to clear, they've had to wait for opportunities for, for a chance to come back into the league. So it's, it's a shame, but as we're saying, looking forward, looking now, um, yeah, it's great that we've we've got those guys in, they bring the experience, they bring that, that mental, that tough mental to to the team. Um, but also we found a few other sort of um gems out there as well uh, a few less known players like with um, Manas uh, Cherno and um, Callum Mellowship in the back line there which have all come from the lower leagues Callum from Melville uh, Cherno from Swan Manas had been at Subiaco a few years ago and then ECU under 20s last year so like those three boys have, have come in with, and they could have possibly been initially considered like they're going to make up our fringe, you know, our uh, our uh, squad. Yep. But like the effort and the the performances they've been putting in, they've really staked their claim to be starting lineup players. So you know, there's a real nice blend at the moment between those experienced players like your Pats, Kev, and uh, Yusri, and then you've got like the the, the newer, younger lads coming in that uh, are giving us a bit of sprite, a little bit of energy mm. as well. So it's it's a the, Feels like a few things are aligning at the moment. Yeah. We're not getting carried away, but at the moment things are aligning, and and we're happy with our um, our preseason and our progression at the moment. And given that you were a state league coach for some time, and you know you you've got a lot of experience there, you talk about the the lesser leagues, and uh, lesser by the fact that they're state league one state league two but the quality yeah. within those two leagues has improved out of bounds and you've you've had experience in both um yeah you know what's your take on on the the, the state of football in general i think we've got a lot more good players playing in state league one and two than we ever did have and that has yeah. improved the quality across the board yeah and look, i think i think there's you know there's a couple of sort of aspects that have done that um obviously there's there's teams in the state league that are very ambitious now to get promoted so their recruitment has taken on a different level so they're obviously targeting um, players that would be in the round sort of the NPL um, leagues so by them being able to capture their signatures they're obviously improving that league below um, you've also got like what you can for them is a good thing like for the state league one and two is you've got the under 20s which I think is actually sort of like hindering the NPL because you're getting a whole heap of like 20, 21 year olds that are now air quote too old for MPL because they don't fit on the MPL roster because of points. Mm. They're basically getting pushed towards the uh, state leagues in state league one, state league two, which I don't think is exactly what the pathway was designed for, was to improve the second and third tier of football. But it has. It has improved the second and third tier of football. And what I've kind of realised now is we need to keep an eye on those players that have gone down to get first team football and, and that was what I was and hopefully so I was just going to say hopefully yeah. now the state league state league one state league two who are offering these youngsters first team football will actually become their pathway back into the NPL in like two three years time yeah. so 
where the sort of like the NPL um, structure is falling down by not having under 23s, what we're hoping for now is that, you know, there's, there's a handful of players that I haven't been able to accommodate now, but hopefully we've got a little network of players that have gone off to other clubs, which we keep an eye on, see how they're tracking over the next year or two, and maybe we can bring them back into the NPL fold in, you know, two years, three years' time. And, and as a coach, when you're looking at prospective players, would would you weight someone who was playing in State League 1 or 2 in a first team over and above someone who was playing in the under-21s comp- competition purely because they are mixing it with the bigger bodies and, and a completely different um, kind of work ethic in those games? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I definitely think that. Like, say, for example, I've brought a couple of 20... 20- one-year-olds in from after two or three years of playing in the State League 2, for example, like you look at mm-hmm. Callum Mellowship, you know, yeah. he was in the, the juniors at Perth, wasn't getting a look in, he went to um, Melville and played a year or two as a, as a first-team player in that league in, in adult football, and here we are now, exactly as I said, like, he's like 20, 22, 23 years old now after doing two years of apprenticeship in a senior level, he's now prepared. He's come with the tools to, to be competitive and, and to stake his claim for a spot. So, I def- But then you look at your, your 20s, and like I went and watched our 20s this morning, and it's still, it's still relatively junior football. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have two teams that have both got, you know, 18-year-olds making up the bulk of their, their, their squads. And then when you go there as a senior coach and you're thinking at the weekend, I've got a big team like Guelab or Sorrento on the on the fixture list, and you're looking at the 20s to see who can come through, and it's 18-year-olds versus 18-year-olds. Unfortunately, it's, it's not the environment that's preparing them physically for what's to come. No. So, you know, it, it's hard to say give the youngsters a try because if they're physically not prepared, then a young, skillful player can... Lose his, lose heart or lose interest. Yeah, he's just yeah. been bullied out of a game. And it's not just the the physical side of it. A lot of it is the mental game and and the um, you know making sure that these players have got the, the mental side of it. Oh, I, in our own club, we've got a, a young lad, I think seventeen, playing centre half in the first team. Played last year as centre half in the first team. Um, yeah, and he's sometimes he questions himself because he makes a mistake and he's too hard on himself. And yet last year he literally mashed a couple of the, the <laughs> best centre forwards we've had in in the state league in the last couple of years, and and never once looked out of place. And then he makes one little silly mistake, and then he's he's crushing himself. And you're going, mate, <laughs> don't worry about that. Uh, so it's, it is. A, there's a lot of development about it, you know. And you're trying to bring up the good things about yeah. that. The, the way he has played, yes, you do belong at this level and higher. You know, you're 17, yeah. you're playing first team. Uh, I would have loved the opportunity myself, but, um, you know, it's yeah. it's just a balancing act. And uh, you look at Josh Rawlings playing for, for Perth Glory at 16, it's there. You yeah. know, Harry Kill, um, Joe Cole, there's lots of lads who played at the top level at those ages. Um, and it's yeah. a, yeah, it's, it can be done. It can be done, but it, but it is it is there is a formula to it. It's not just he's young, give him a chance, or he's good, so he should be playing. There, there is a formula. They need to be mentally right. They need to be prepared right. They need to have some some experience, progressive experience at that level. Mm, so yeah. you know we we try and we try and correct 
the world of football in these conversations, but um, unfortunately, it, it, you know, there's, there's so many rights and wrongs um, to get it right. Um, it, it's, it's, I think it's just a question of each year we should be looking at what's working and we should be proactive to yeah. go, right, this is not working Either the and I don't know and look, I don't know the, the hierarchy of like whether it's the standing committee, steering committee, whether it's the football west, the organisers, or the FFA. But somebody needs to be able to go. That's not working. Take it off the table. Let's ch- let's change it up. What's happening in Europe? What's happening in? in well, uh, we we, we talk about that and we, we address it. You know, Rob Rob Sherman, who was appointed as the TD for Australia, um, left yeah. in you know a, a cloud and. Since then, everything's just been in stasis. We've had COVID kick in. There was a review of the MPL. We've we've tried the Dutch model. We've tried the Belgian model. We're, we've mm. been not concentrating on what is going to work for Australia, and we've been trying to make ourselves fit into some anomalous um, plan that someone has got. Yeah, and at the moment, that, we've got we've work. got nothing. Mm. And this is the most frustrating thing for me is that we talk about the the golden generation and not having that golden generation now and yet we've sat on our hands tied up with bureaucracy and not done anything for men or women across this country because Rob Sherman disappeared and we've had COVID and, and we've not had an opportunity. Uh, I think it's rubbish. We've had an opportunity. We should be looking at, at progressive people, preferably Australian. Um, I know he's he's got his detractors but you know someone like Kombutzianis or there's, there's plenty of other people around who can develop young players who are Australian, have an understanding of our market, and will we'll build and, and blend Australian players. But at the moment, we're, yeah. we're, we're committing the sin of doing nothing. Yeah, I, you know, that, that's right. I think, I think we need to find, or not find, we need to decide what our identity is and, and, and work with our people. Yeah. Well, look, we're Aussies. We've got a, a wonderful, we've got a wonderful blend of the skill and guile of, of the Croatians, the mm. the steel of, of the the English game with the Scots and the Irish and the English, um, you know, the technical ability of the Germans and the Italians. We've got the Brazilian flair. We've got all of these influences in our league, and, and we're not using them. Mm. And we, you know, like all Australians, we're we're a hybrid, and we're we're just that little mongrel mutt there that wants to just do better <laughs> than anybody else. And why not? No, but celebrate it. Be it and and don't try and go down a Belgian line because it works for the Belgians, but not us. That's that's exactly. my that's my soapbox anyway. Um, <laughs> now, coaching John last last year, COVID was a complete abomination for you as a coach, um, the club, um, and you're were no strangers in that in in playing. And paying players last year was was difficult. Um, this year, we've started off in a very similar vein. We've had a, a lockdown. How does that affect you as a coach in your planning? And then, obviously, the the psyche of the players as you're trying to get them up for a, a night series, which so far has been stop start. Well, look, I think just as far as last year was concerned, the biggest issue with the COVID, where it was stop start and then go again, was hype um, training. So, like we're all, you know. Pre-season is supposed to be prepping the body, prepping the mind, and team tactics for where you, you know the direction you want to go that season. The so last year we, we we were doing that, and then all of a sudden with everything closing down, the, the actual training changed. Players, I think, we ended up doing too much long distance work, long distance running, which then created a lot of like soft tissue injuries, mm-hmm. and that absolutely crucified us in the tail end of the season. 
for this year, we've set out with more of a sort of like a prehab program. We're working with the players on strength and conditioning. We've been doing that for two months now, and that's that's really starting to kind of pay dividends. Like a few of the senior players are saying, they're feeling their bodies are feeling much better now because of what we're what we're doing. And then we had that COVID, which kind of then put everything on hold. And now we're back again. But now we're back, and this is my soapbox here. We're back playing a pre-season friendly tournament in preparation for the serious professional, semi-professional league. Yeah. Mm. And we're squeezing in three games in seven days. And we're yeah. forced in, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we don't have, we don't have the depth. Um, we're making players play like, you know, three games in a row or portions of three games. And all of a sudden now we're not training. So we're playing game and then it might be just a, a light session where we're just going through some motion because you can't push hard and back into a game. Yeah, but now this weekend we've got <laughs> we've got a game on Wednesday, we've just yeah. played on Friday, we've got a bank holiday on Monday. And but it's just like if, if I can, again, if, if I can, John, you, you played in the night series. You, you've had um, some wonderful results against Sorrento and people like that. You played Perth the other night. You had a one-all draw. You had three yeah. players injured. You ended up playing one of your goalkeepers in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then even like last night against um, all goalkeepers are frustrated okay. strikers. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, now I've got a, now the goalkeeper's got a taste of it. The other goalkeeper wants to go. <laughs> It's caused the domino effect, mate. Might have to field all, all three, all four goalkeepers. I've, I've got a goalkeeper on the panel here, and she tells me the goalkeepers are all mad. Yeah. <laughs> the, they all tell you they're strikers as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, and even last night against against Balcada, like um, at the tail end, there three lads came off the bench, all making their debuts, all first year with the under 20s so they're all like we had one lad that was 16 we had a, uh, an 18 year old we had a, a 20 year old all making their debuts for the first team in the, in the last five ten minutes last night and that and that's just trying to make sure that we're, we're doing the best we can to protect it so the bottom line is it, it just disrupted the prog- like the program mm. so now where we had <laughs> literally written out this is the program we're going to follow and this is how we're going to uh, manage it to throw that in the bin now it's kind of like when are we training next week oh maybe we can squeeze in a light session on you so all of a sudden the preparation is out the window because we're trying to fulfill fixtures for a friendly tournament mm. and, and also like trying to avoid those those soft tissue injuries which are so frustrating yeah. because the last thing you need when you're playing a, a friendly well for all intents a friendly tournament is then to yeah. to to front up your first game with you know half a team that's just coming out of an injury phase. Yeah, but you know what? On the on the positive side of, of this year's night series, the way it's it's come through, is I'm very happy with the uh, the seven players on the bench with the option of five subs during three three moments. Yeah, Dan, Dan Israel said you'd have a comment on that, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, like that's how it should be. I'm I'm hoping that they recognise the value in that going forward because it is a pre-season tournament your first team players don't get enough game time when it runs normally so by being able to make those extra two subs off the bench you're getting more opportunity time for either players getting their fitness back or for players that are kind of trying to stake their claim to the squad or new players trying to, to come in and, and you know put their token down so I've, that's one very big positive I've felt have come, come from the way that night series is has um, transpired this year is, is just the increase in substitutions. I think that works very well for the format of the tournament. 
So in the night series, you you had a, a very good win against uh, Floria, and you've also beaten Sorrento, one all with um, with uh, uh, Perth, and then last night's result against Balcata. Um, where does that leave you as as far as contention for the finals? Um, I think this week uh, on Wednesday, I think the math is Bayswater need to beat us five nil, and I think Perth need to win their game. So if, if Perth lose and we lose, then we go through. If, if we beat Basie, we go through. So mm-hmm. there's still a, there's still some math. There's still some uh, looking at the results as the game is being played, sort of moments. But you know, hopefully we're we're strong enough now, and we've we've had that that period of time to get to know each other that we're able to put in a solid performance to to make sure that we get get a result that will be favourable for us to take us through. And, and you see any big differences in the league this year? Obviously, the Perth and, and Basie have always been the teams to to set your your flag against. Um, is that the same, or you think there's been a shift in the in the in the balance think, of power? Uh, I guess in in the movement of players' world, you definitely have to say ECU, Perth, and Weller have had the most sort of, um, new players in of notable name. Mm-hmm. So you've got to you've got to put those three teams down as contenders. Uh, I think with the way the night series has panned out, I think um, Inglewood have really uh, come to the top as, as as a possible dark horse mm-hmm. um, yep. with the results they've been getting and the, and the manner of um, score lines they've been achieving. So I definitely think um, this year could be a year where we see some upsets. We see some uh, teams that have maybe kind of become a little bit forgotten um, get opportunities to come to the forefront so um, yeah I think I think there'll be um, there'll be some surprises this year yeah look the, the league is improving and I think you know teams like Gwellup coming in have, have certainly helped raise the bar Inglewood obviously a bit of a lull for a while though and they are certainly coming good um, ECU Joondalup seem to have recruited extremely well this year and I think you know all things been equal, they they can um, be where they were last year and and, and win it. Um, it's, there's just too many good sides in there, which is not a bad thing for for our game in in WA. There's definitely there's a definite feel now that anyone can take points any given Saturday. Yeah. So there's there's not there's you know there's teams that may not be as favourable, and there'll be an expectation of taking points but it, there's a few teams out there that if you if, if teams go to the ground with expect, uh, expectations or complacency then they can get turned over you know like Rockingham you know at the end of last year and coming into this you know people might have been saying oh they don't look like they've they've recruited well or they're not bringing any household names into the fold but then all of a sudden they've pulled off some results in this uh, in this um, night series they're scoring goals you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe things are uh, going well for them down there. So there's definitely, there's, and there's a few, there's a few teams like that where you know you're thinking, up, oh, you know, there's, there's there's no easy game. If anybody turns up not not prepared, then they can get turned over this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely going to make for good competition, and especially at the later stages when you know the top four, the top six teams are all fighting for those three points, and and then all of a sudden a few results go against the bookies odds and next thing you know um, you know a couple of the big teams may drop down drop down and drop out of that uh, the final series so I definitely think that it'll, it'll be a major factor come tail end of the year 
Absolutely. And and your hopes and aspirations for the the season? You, you've always had a good cup side um, out there. you hoping to replicate your, your successes of, of 2018? I think every year I've been quite conservative and said I'd like to kind of be, you know, pushing for that top four. But I think this year I'm just going to say I want to win it all. I want to get, I want to win the league, yep. add the top four, add the cup. And, uh, yeah, we'll give it our best shot, I think. That's, that's, well, good, that's good to hear, John. <laughs> uh, I've never known you to be shy and, and holding back, put, but yeah. I'm going to put my marker out there early this year. <laughs> no, no, good on you, mate. Um, it's always nice to have a bit of ambition, put the pressure on the boys. And I know that pe- right. people like Kevin and Paddo love, love a bit of pressure. So um, good yeah, to, exactly. to put it on them early, mate. 100%. All right, John, thank you very much for joining this morning. Best of luck with the season. I'm sure I'll catch up with you at some point through the sure. year. Thanks for the chat, guys. No thank worries. You. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. There's John O'Reilly um, out there in Armadale. Um, and I think, you know, he's very much underplayed it. But, um, you know, the serious, serious club now. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Like Armadale sort of over the years were always sort of a lower end of the NPL club, uh, NPL sort yeah. of table. But, well, you know, they feel like they're climbing up. Mm. I've got nothing to back that up, but I do feel like they're, they're you know, <laughs> gut climbing. Feeling. You know, yeah, gut feeling. Yeah. I'll give you, give you an interesting game when they play Coburn to, to go and watch, mate. Yeah, that's right. I should actually get down to it for once. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's, it's interesting. I think uh, we've got some uh, Division 1 and 2 night series games. We do indeed. Yep. So uh, in the night series, <laughs> so these are the results from last night. Uh, in various groups around the way. Uh, UWA Nedlands defeated Curtin Uni 7-1. Forestfield United defeated Gosnell City (coughs) 4-3. Stirling Lions had a 3-0 win over Canning City. Wanneroo City and Joondalup United played out a 1-0 draw. Belga SC defeated Quinns 2-0. And Dianella White Eagles defeated Fremantle City also 2-0. Joondalup City hosted and lost to the Western Knights with an 8-2 Scoreline. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Miranda. Maybe there was no goalkeepers in that match. <laughs> you know, all the goalkeepers were playing on the outfield. Uh, and um, last of all, Subiaco AFC won two nil away at Kilmscott Ruse. So that was the uh, the fixtures. And coming up tomorrow night, uh, Kingsley SC are at home to Swan United. Ashfield travel to Morley Windmills. Uh, Mandurah City away to Murdoch University, and Shamrock Rovers host Olympic Kingsway. Yeah, I think that game at, uh, for the Morley versus um, Ashfield is over at um, Melville. Melville? Yeah. So okay. It's on the artificial pitches over there. There's, they're played in hubs. Played. Ah. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yes. all those games are happening in venues. Check them to see where they are. But if you've got any interest in watching them, go out and watch. Um, some good players out there in the State League. I do remember going down to an Armadale doubleheader once for the pre-season. It was a fantastic venue and it was the middle of summer. It was like late January and it was stinking hot, <laughs> but the you know the beers were cold and it was it was a great venue. And it's, I always keep saying I should go back and watch another game, like a night series game, you know, doubleheader. Absolutely. Just, and and it's great it. to go down and watch a game where you're not actually involved and you can just enjoy the football and enjoy the, um, the lubrication <laughs> and abuse the referee anyway. So yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's always good fun. All righty, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after these with Tim Cash, who is the WN, WMPL coach at Balcatta. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? 
The OzWest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. A very gentle lady introduction and (laughs) we're going to talk to uh, Tim Cash very shortly from Balcasa. But first off, there was some WNPL night series results. That's right. The NPL uh, night series for the women kicked off last night. Uh, Fremantle City winning 3-0 over Subiaco AFC and Mum FC defeating Curtin University 2-1. Yeah, went down to those games. Yeah, um, yeah quite a good match. Um, Mum FC, Curtin, I think it was a lot more competitive than a lot of people thought it would be. And yeah. Curtin of new to the league last year and building up and, you know, put out a good fight, but... Mum FC had some quality, so absolutely just got over the line. Yep, and then tomorrow night the uh, the rest of it continues on with Balcatta playing Northern Redbacks and Perth SC playing against Football West. Those games down at Dorian Gardens. Marvelous. And joining us now is uh, one of those coaches who'll be involved in there, in Tim Cash, who is now the head coach at Balcatta WNPL. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Yeah. Good morning. I'm well. Thanks for having me up. That's good. You sound like you're in a bucket in the, in the distance. But um, Sorry. No, you're right. Um, so you've just joined Balcatra as the head coach. Where were you prior to that? Last season I was with Curtin, um, looking after their men's state league team. And a uh, year before that I was with Florida Athena. So you, your coaching's in your blood, mate. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> it's my life. I love it. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, so the the Balcatta job has excited you for for any particular reason? Well, I love coaching in the female game. Um, I think the female game in Australia is really exciting, and you know, we've got the World Cup in a couple of years. Mm. I think uh, also that the. the Females are really coachable, and I and I love that. You can see this really good growth in, in players and uh, all willing to learn and all willing to grow, which I really like. Yeah. Um, compelling reason to join. Yeah, definitely. And I think you guys have got a, um, a big start to the night series against, you know, an always competitive Redbacks um, tomorrow night. How do you think you guys will go in that game? Well, it's a good question because... Um, a yeah, new new coach on our side, so you know new new playing philosophy. So 
got to put that to the test. So it's somewhat of an unknown, but judging by how we've been training and how we've played in our friendly games, you know, I'm confident that we'll reach reach a reasonable high in our performance. We don't expect us to be anywhere close to where we can get to because you know we want a progressive build-up of performance over time so we can peak at the right time. As far as Redbacks are concerned, obviously they've got a few changes with with players being involved in, in, in the W League. But I mean, I, I expect them to be well organised. I expect them to, to be passionate and, and competitive. So I think all round, I would estimate that it would be a close game. So, yeah, that's my that's my prediction. But you know, until those first few minutes of the of the game commences, you never really know. So, I have to stay open minded as a coach, and if we need to adjust that game plan, we'll adjust that game plan. But yeah, close and competitive is how I probably see it at this point. Yeah, and I guess what you're saying about you know being a new coach and a new playing system isn't. Backhead is not the only one in that situation, I think, this year. Um, I think Perth and NTC were the only clubs to remain yeah, stable head coaches. Everyone else had a change in head coach, so um, Redbacks included in that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see a lot of new playing styles out there, so might get a bit of a rejig of the league. But um, in terms of your playing group, have you managed to keep a constant playing group? Have you been out looking for players? You know, What sort of lineup can we expect from you guys? Oh, well, you'll see a lot of familiar faces tomorrow, but we've brought in some really good youngsters um, uh, into our team. We've got a really healthy healthy percentage of players under 23, which I always like because you want to obviously grow girls as young as possible. We've got girls in mid-teens um, who are showing an excellent potential, but I think you'll see a lot of familiar faces tomorrow night and as far as our depth is concerned, we've got great range and um, some exciting prospects. So hopefully, hopefully through good coaching and their own personal growth, <laughs> bring players through. So, so what is your your coaching philosophy? Are you um, someone who builds up from the back, or you you work on the having a good strike force or or a balanced approach? Yes, look, it's a great question. It's often a navel-gazing exercise for me in that regard because, you know, it, it does change. I mean, I think that I learned I learned a long time ago and it was reinforced to me just recently um, that it's always good to understand your players' strengths and weaknesses and then try and form your form, then try and put your structure together off the back of that rather than saying, this is my playing style. And I re- professional teams will have nine or ten different formations that they'll try and then they'll probably have you know a composite four or five for each moment in the game with the ball and without the ball so for me for me i'd like to be really well organized defensively and hopefully that'll be evident tomorrow so we know what we're doing defensively we know what our roles are we know where our press lines are and then as far as as when when we've got the ball it depends on the opposition so happy happy to build up but um, also happy to be more direct if the, if the game allows for it. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And um, having coached men and and women, do you find yourself changing your approach to coaching for, for both? Well, I change my approach to coaching because, you know, I think as a coach you've got to be humble and always learning and 
be honest, I learned something every time I go to the training session and I go, God, why did I do that before? Or, mm. you know, that's, that's good, that works. And then I, then I get mentored and, and try and, try and improve me personally and try and then when I've built a foundation of, of what I feel is, is the right tactics for the team, then I try and layer that with, with that next level of um, deliberate practice, as I call it. Mm. As far as, as far as the difference between men and women are concerned, you know, I, I, I feel as though that uh, obviously there's a difference between men and women per se, and if you get that if you can get that culture right, then you can get in the women's game. You can get the, get the girls flying. Um, men, I always found I was more direct, um, rather, and, and I felt that less explanation was required. You know, so there'd be less less dialogue between myself and the, and the players. And you can always see when the player zones out, when a coach is rambling on anyway. So, <laughs> and I, you know, I, sometimes I'll get rambling on and stop talking. So I think it's with the guys, it's, it's direct, get in, get out. Um, and sometimes it's the same with the women, but um, occasionally more explanation is needed. And and to show that on the whiteboard or to demonstrate it in the game is, is really important. I think the answer to the question is, though, that you've got to do it based on which player you're coaching at that moment in time or which group of players you're coaching at that time and try and understand their, their learning style and try and understand how they want to how they want to play within mm. your system mm. yeah. So yeah yeah definitely you know individuals you've got to coach individuals yeah. i've just got a message in from pennies um with the fact that mum fc had three players coming on last night from that 14 15 age range the mid-teens you were talking mm. about before what's you know, around the average age of your first team and um, what's your philosophy and plan around player development in at Barcada? That's a, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. So I would say, uh, so, it's, so of the total squad, 24 players are under 23. Mm. So I would say our average, and I haven't calculated exactly, but I'd say our average is, say, circa 21. And... As far as development is concerned, we like all players to have their own development plan. So I use the four corners model, which is the the FA model in the UK, where they look at your social, physical, technical and psychological aspects of the game and then define what you want to achieve against each of those each of those corners. And then what's your vision for the season? And then how do you ensure and then to have then to give yourself roadmap cues as to how you get to where you want to go. And that's, that's simple narratives. So it might be first to the ball as an example. So that would be the cue for a, a, that a player would determine, determine themselves. The club, the club itself has got a vision to create pathway players like I hope all WNPL clubs have. So those who go on to glory or those who go on to play overseas, wherever it may be. And some of the visions that I set, so I'll set a vision for the player as well. So, got a couple of players who I'd like to see progress to play for Glory in the in the future, um, and some that are at that next tier down that may you know may be able to go on to to play at Glory. But I really like to set them a stretch and say this is what you can achieve, and keep pushing to that, but let them fail, so they don't have to be they don't have to get it right. You know, it may, it's going to take a while for players to get to their peak performance. 
if you let the players fail, make mistakes, then they can tend to get to that higher grade and that higher level. And then hopefully they can play the, the highest level that they want to play and they seek, seek to play. Yeah. That's, that's a little... Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Balcaster have been at the forefront of uh, women's football at the the high level, and you know they're one of the few NPL clubs that's always um, had a ladies team. Uh, what was their was their expectations of you? Because they, they've always prided themselves on their success. Yeah, it's it, they're very good in terms. They've been really good. I mean, the the board have. Haven't put intense pressure on me in, in any regard, but they want to see progression. Mm. That's the easy answer. So, we, you know, if you look at the team from from last season, they came sick, and they performed they they performed well. So at times, and there's opportunity for that to improve. And so, so for us, it's it, it, it's make progression from the sixth place, and obviously that that is logically looking at looking at a top four position. But to use the old the old saying that it's take one game at a time, it very much is that for me because I believe in myself and I believe in this team and I believe in the players that they can if they perform at their at their highest level at the right time with that progressive build up, and they're capable of anything. I mean, a few years ago they were they were doing very well and um, you know were coming at the top and getting to the final. And I think that they've got that potential. But it's it's you can just look at the professional game for great examples of how to bring a team together there, who's got some really good players, and how not to bring a team together. You know, <laughs> the Liverpool Manchester City, you know, an yeah. analogy right. It's a perfect one, isn't it? You know, good quality players, but you can easily not bring it together on moments in a game that don't work. So for me, it's it's all about if I can. Try and get the game management right. Yep. Get the competitions right. Understand the strengths and weaknesses, which I mentioned earlier. And I, and I think that this this team's capable of anything. They are they are phenomenal bunch of bunch of um, women, and um, you know I think they've got great potential. And that's not just in the in the first eleven. That's in the playing group. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting, the, the EPL analogy, because you look at Man United, um, very talented squad, and under Ferguson did wonderful things. Um, that same squad of players probably destroyed about four good coaches. <laughs> and then Solskjaer, who was uh, someone's tip to uh, be the first coach sacked in the EPL, is turning it around. So, you know, you're right, the, the, it's a lot of management and a lot of man management or, or female management until we, we get it right. And it's... Uh, it's a, a constant progression and improvement curve. Uh, I completely agree. And, it, you know, I, I study the game all the time and I, sit and I like to understand the psychology of it. And if I look at, at you know, for, for learning for WMPL, and I appreciate that there's a big difference between professional football and, and WMPL, but there are a lot of good examples. So you take Salskin, you know, the, the way he's directing his culture. I think he, I think he holds Manchester United back from the way that he describes mm. um, the team and their culture. You know, it'll be next season. It'll be next season. Well, I think you've got to open yourself up and and say that you know we're pushing to be the best that we can this season, this game, mm. yep. and not focused on next season because next season never comes. It's now. 
it's what are you doing now? And that the club doesn't want to hear about next season. They want to hear that this team's giving it their best. And if they know that, if the fans know that they've given it their best this season, they'll be happy. Yeah. And, that, uh, and much, that's much the conversation I had with Steve McGarry earlier where I said, you know, watching the, the glory play this year, I'm really happy because I'm, I'm seeing a team that wants to be there and is, is doing their, their absolute best. Yeah, that, exactly. And glory are a good example. I mean, they play some really nice, progressive attacking football, which I love. And they, they're scoring goals, which is... People will go and watch any team that scores lots of goals, even if they're conceding two or three every now and again. Yeah, yep. doing it, doing a great, a great job. Hey, look at Liverpool. My other comparison is looking at Liverpool. Is that Klopp's body language and um, and also his verbal language is just that worries me because he's saying, you know, I've got this problem now, and this problem, this problem now. I'm unlucky, and I think that goes against the the philosophy of trying to create the best performance team that you can mm. it's it's really it's really challenging yeah if you get slightly wrong at that level it only takes one thing to go wrong and the whole thing can collapse like a deck of cards mm. and, and from know. a and from a coaches and players perspective um you, you're starting to feel the buzz about the um the women's world cup coming to australia well i don't think i'm feeling it directly but i think that you know, I don't think that there's lots of communication around it because it's it's two years away and, and also when we're interrupted by a global pandemic. I think it's, you know, thrown the world into a different... It looks at it in a different way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that the opportunity... Uh, well, I firmly believe that the opportunity is to really start putting that message out there in, in terms of from, from Football West through to Football Australia and beyond is to really start start thinking about that and, and growing the game and then we'll get some great youngsters wanting to play because if you understand what a World Cup is, you know, I have, I've, I'm lucky enough to have watched many men's World, many men's world Cups and um, it's the most passionate time in the sport for me, yep. you know, your yeah. own country do. But, but if you were a, a young lady somewhere between 16 and, and 20 um, playing in the NPL, literally two, two years is, is an achievable dream. If you really want it bad enough, there's no reason why Miranda Templeman or one, <laughs> one of your girls in the, in the, um, the Balcassa side couldn't be within that squad. Well, it's nice to think so. You know, and if, if they really want it, then there's no reason there's nothing in their way except themselves um yes there's there's innate talent but we know that we know that any player can practice to a point where they do take themselves to their highest level and if they if they can do that then they've got every chance of being successful yeah there's a lot of alchemy in there i mean obviously you've got to have the skill and the talent the drive you've also need to have the opportunity and the luck so it's it's not a, a straight line mm. but um i think you know look it's a wonderful opportunity for the country and for the game in general um thank you very much for your time this morning um best of luck with your, your game tomorrow night and and the rest of the season you're very kind i appreciate your time thanks for having me on your show no thank you Bye-bye. Thanks. See you, Tim. Tim Cash, Balcata. Um, sounds like they've got a good coach there. Um, be interested to see how they go.
Yeah, definitely. It'll be, as I was saying before, a very new le- new look league because yeah. Um, yeah. so many turnovers in coaches, which will mean new playing styles. You've got um, some ground like players that have been grounded in the league, like um, Kim Carroll, who yep. you know we don't know if she'll be coming back. Um, she's over in Brisbane at the moment. I'm assuming she'll stay there. That's where yep. she's from. Her family is. Um, but yeah, and just on what Tim was saying about you know the World Cup, the the opportunity at the moment is yeah. the W League, and I think mm. absolutely. That, you know, the but you've got Hannah Lowry, yeah. um, tr- uh, Tash Rigby. There's there's a number of players there that are starting to push. Yeah, they're pushing through, and I think um, there was a post recently about some players pushing for the Olympics, some young players in there, and yep. um, but yeah, it just it doesn't take long, as you're saying. It's two years is a long time in respects of what can happen and what you can do for yourself as a player and yep. um, yeah I think with all the exodus of players over to Europe there's a lot of young players that have come through this well, season and the, the, all, all with Covid clubs. not yeah. been able to bring in anyone other than maybe New Zealand mm. Mm. there's been lots of opportunities for women a couple of things before we do go um, one thing in the news was Popovich Popovich has uh, been fallen out been of favour in, in Greece at, at his yeah. club so both his both his sons are also playing over there, and a couple of other Australians he'd brought and, over as well. And the background to that is a lot of the Greek players were losing or I, lost them. I, I don't know for sure what the story was, but yeah, yeah. There, there had been rumours that maybe he'd lost the change room, lost the support of the change room. So yeah, I don't know what's where he's going to go, and uh, frankly, I don't care now. I, I I do. I have no idea what Melbourne victory will turn up at, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, the other one was I saw a, a post the other day um, from Sorrento that they're saying that they've been selected as a venue for the uh, a training venue for the Women's World Cup. Which oh, I thought okay. was interesting, yeah. Um, given that they don't have the facilities <laughs> even for their own women at the moment, <laughs> and clubs like Balcatta and mm. Forestfield who do, I've not seen anything from them saying that they've been selected. So I just wondered what the process was and oh. and how this was decided. Yeah, well, hopefully it is a good chance for some clubs to get some some more cash and and get some. Look, there's one. There there are wonderful facilities around. Yeah, um, and I'm, if if they got it, I'm happy for them. But there are also some other clubs out there. And I know Forestville worked very very hard yes. and got local government approval and everything else. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Dorian Gardens, which is obviously one of the, the better venues around the place. Yeah, um, and there's so many other venues around this state that could also do the same thing. Yeah. that have also invested. Their, their money in the, the women's program over a number of years. Um, just thought it was an interesting announcement. Mm. And uh, sort of also sort of on the horizon, well, way off on the horizon, but now there seems to be some talk that Brisbane's the preference for the 2032 yes, Olympic Games. Yeah, I, I don't know that. where that, that came out of. No, that came out of the blue. That's very yeah. different and a very different way of announcing them. So, <laughs> uh. you know, it's, it's a long way from the winner in Sydney. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I don't know how that happened. And I think there's a lot of people stood there going, yeah, what, what, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Laddie's waiting patiently in the background for us to leave so he can get the, um, <laughs> the jazz program underway, which is good. always good to see. Lenny up and about. Um, thank you for listening to our show. Um, thank you, Miranda. Thank you, Pete, for being on. Uh, Penny will be back with the World Football Programme next week and I'll be back in a fortnight. Excellent. Thank you all for listening. See you then. Oh, wrong one. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.